Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Take It in Stride podcast. I am your host, Adrian Jezik. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Um, as you guys have been following along, you know that a lot of changes have been happening in my life, mainly as a result of my health, um, and I mean physical health, mental health, and emotional health. I've had a lot of really incredible conversations recently with people who have experienced things similar to what I have, and that's very inspiring. It's very inspiring to know that there are a lot of us out there trying the same natural healing methods to reverse some of the causes of these maladies of modernity. So when we think of autoimmune, we think chronic, we think, I think chronic, I think fatal, I think irreversible. But I have learned that that is not accurate. We have the power to heal ourselves. And it's not just about symptom treatment and symptom management. It's about total body healing. But in order to heal the body, I believe we must first start with the mind. So our mental wellness and our emotional wellness have a direct effect on our cellular regeneration, a direct effect on the ways that we're rebuilding the cells within our bodies. And I'm going to talk this week about hating the cold. You guys, I hear it all the time, but I hate the cold. I hate to be cold. I don't function in cold. Cold makes me angry. I lived in Michigan, Minnesota, Wyoming, UK, Canada for all those years, and I hate the cold. And I think the part that we could benefit from knowing is you don't have to hate the cold. Hating the cold is your choice. Our emotional response to a physical situation, to physical feelings, is our choice. I used to hate the cold. And I've said this before. Anything below 70 degrees and I was angry. If I was in a restaurant, I couldn't eat. If I was with my friends, I couldn't focus on a conversation. I was just angry. That's what the cold did to me. I grew up in Florida. I am a sun, sand, and surf girl. And from Florida, I went to Hawaii. And I've been in Arizona for 16 years. I love summertime. And summer is starting to end. And that makes me a little sad because... Even though I've embraced the cold, even though I've embraced my cold water immersion practice, I still love the heat. I love summertime. And when I can, I actively seek out heat immersion therapy. So I've mentioned Optimized Wellness before here in Phoenix, Arizona, owned by Michael Roviello and Jesse Mering. And they have a beautiful 
set up. They have our cold forge, which stays nice and cold and as close to freezing as possible. They also have infrared sauna. And I love that combination. I love that combination of three minutes in my cold forge, as cold as I can stand it, or as cold as I can get it, 25 minutes in the infrared sauna, followed by three more minutes in the cold. I like to end on cold. It's invigorating, it's stimulating, and I like to compare three minutes in a cold bath to an espresso shot in a yoga class because it gives you energy and clarity, but it also provides an extreme calm. So as I'm talking about this today and how so many of us have gone through these journeys of hating the cold, I really want to explore our power in changing that attitude and changing that mindset. We are the stories we tell ourselves. So if the story I tell myself is, I hate the cold, it's so hard, you go ahead and do that, but it's not for me. That does not have to be true. That does not have to be your truth. You can change your story to one that specifies, I love the cold. I'm doing this for my mind. I'm doing this for my body. I'm doing this for my emotional well-being and resilience. Because if I control the story I tell myself, and I'm the only one that does because I'm the only one that speaks to myself inside my head, if I control that story. I control what it says. And I'm going to believe the things that I tell myself. If I tell myself I am sick, I am tired, this is all out of my control, then that's true. If I tell myself, I am strong, I am getting better, I am resilient, I'm exploring new ways to heal, that is also true. So it starts with our internal story. It starts with that story that we're telling ourselves about emotional resilience. And I've heard it all. You know, I've had a really rough day today. I'm feeling a little low energy. I don't think I can handle the cold today. I feel like that's going to be a little too much for me. That's not true. If you're feeling tired, if you're feeling like you're in a little more pain than usual, things are a little harder than usual, maybe you're just overwhelmed. Maybe mentally and emotionally you're just overwhelmed. In which case, I implore you, to enter the cold. Usually the reason we're telling ourselves not to enter the cold is the exact reason we need to enter the cold. I've recently been following a lot of people in the MS community suffering from multiple sclerosis and I've heard a lot of different things. I've heard, oh, cold exacerbates my symptoms. Cold makes this harder. I believe these things, specifically cold water immersion, I believe it does start out difficult. I've told you before, my first ice bath was nine seconds. But the vast majority of people I coach manage two plus minutes because of a mindset, because of the conversation that we have prior to entering the cold. 
And the premise of that conversation is that our mindset is our choice. We can find the calm through the breath and we can allow that breath to carry us through the cold. So it is mental. It's a mental practice. And even though it can be scary and uncomfortable, growth comes from discomfort. I intentionally put myself into the cold. I intentionally sought out this, that discomfort because I knew that through that discomfort, that extreme trauma-filled discomfort, I was going to get extreme exponential growth. And I say that my personal mission is in life is to share the healing powers of the cold with as many people as I possibly can. I want to shout it from the rooftops. And I've been saying that for quite some time. I've been saying that for about a year as I've been on this journey. I want to shout it from the rooftops. Well, last weekend I got to do just that. One year, almost directly to the weekend after Marotsko Forge attended Arcosanti, located in Arizona, for their convergence retreat. We brought our we brought our first prototype to this convergence retreat, which is a really nice speaker series retreat where you can learn things, grow and connect and network with your community and like-minded individuals. We brought our prototype. And I started using the coaching methods that I was using to get myself into the cold and sharing those with people who had never experienced it. And that weekend, about a year ago, I coached more than 30 people through the cold. The vast majority made it to about two and a half minutes. Only one person made it to 30 seconds and could not do more than that, which is fine. Any amount of cold is a good amount of cold. But that was the beginning of my journey with coaching. And through that process, through sharing that process, sharing that coaching, I learned what my true calling was. And my true calling on my personal journey is to share the healing powers of the cold with the masses, to shout this from the rooftops. And almost a year to the day after that first experience, I got to go back to Arcosanti, the beautiful, beautiful structure that is Arcosanti, just north of Phoenix, Arizona. I encourage you to Google it, support their cause. It's an urban laboratory. They hold a lot of retreats there. It's a beautiful space. It's a magical space. And this year, I represented Marotsko Forge by myself. I brought our home forge, which is the one we use for our personal home use, as, as Travel Forge is currently being reconstructed and upgraded. So I brought our personal home forge 225 pounds, and I had an amazing team of people help me carry it up three flights of stairs to a beautiful rooftop setting. 
and then found out after we brought up 200 pounds of ice that it was the wrong rooftop setting. So these amazing people helped me carry the forge and the ice back down three flights of stairs and then over to the correct three flights of stairs to get us up to the Sky Lounge, which is located by the Sky Suite. So they got me set up, got all my ice in, and then throughout the weekend, I was literally on the rooftop sharing the cold with the masses. So to say the universe is abundant feels like an understatement because this was a full circle experience for me. Here I am a year later on a rooftop sharing the cold with the masses. Here I am a year later with my fully developed Morotsko Method cold, cold coaching practice. Here I am a year later I've coached more than a thousand plunges, full circle. I was able to share this new coaching method with people I put through the cold a year ago. And the growth and the change and the experience is vastly different. I can't always provide a full sensory experience at events. You know, you've got people coming and going sounds and music and in a sensory experience I'm using all five senses. I'm using singing bowls, essential oils, incense, naturally flavored waters with cucumber, lemon, strawberry basil, raspberry. Taste enhancements is what I call them because you don't want to eat a whole bunch before a cold plunge, right? But find a way, finding a way through my coaching practice to touch all five senses for a full healing and immersive experience. So on the rooftops at Arcosanti, the sky suite, the sky lounge, I couldn't provide the full sensory experience, but I could absolutely use the singing bowls. And the beauty of the singing bowls is they resonate such a sound when you're in the metal tub filled with water. The one particular bowl I use is an F, the note is F, which quite specifically focuses on the crown chakra. So you're opening and expanding the mind while you're breathing through the cold. And I surround you with this bowl and these sounds of the bowl singing and it gives you something to focus on in addition to the breath, in addition to the cold, brings a deep, deep peace. And it heals the body in a different way. When we can touch on all five senses, and I call this the five-point star of self-care because to fill the body up completely, to fully heal, we have to engage the senses. So one of the things... I've learned in dialectical behavioral therapy is if I'm experiencing an emotional episode, if I'm feeling a little emotionally out of control or overwhelmed, the advice is taste, sight, sound, smell, and touch. So find a way to engage each of those senses. And by taste, it doesn't mean eat a bowl of ice cream. 
You can drink cold, refreshing water and focus on how that feels, going over the lips and the tongue and the gums and down the throat and into the stomach. And you know when you're drinking that cold, cold, cold water and you feel it slide down your throat, there's something so soothing and refreshing about that feeling, right? So we can taste our cold water. We can taste hot tea, hot coffee. And sight, we can gaze upon something that fills us. I know anytime I look at the color purple, I just feel better. Or anytime I look at all the colors in a spectrum, I feel whole and complete. I can look at my dog. I can look at pictures of my dogs and I just feel whole and complete. So we've got taste and sight and smell. So smell and this varies. You know, maybe you're in the office and so you can't light incense. That's fine. Keep a little lavender essential oil or some citrus bliss essential oil on you. Take a moment. Take a few deep inhales of that essential oil and think about where that takes you. When I breathe in lavender, that takes me to a calm place. When I breathe in lemon, that helps me feel alert and refreshed and energized. So we've got taste, sight, smell, touch. There's a lot we can do with touch. You can ask for a hug. You can massage your own hands. I love to just take some lotion, a little bit of lavender, and massage the lotion into my hands and my cuticles. You can also work on a physical puzzle, crocheting or knitting, all of these things. Engage the sense of touch and distract the mind from the emotional instability. So we've got sound, sight, sight, taste, touch, smell, and sound. Sometimes all I have to do is close my eyes and listen. Do I hear the hum of an air conditioner or a fan? Am I hearing footsteps up and down stairs in the hallway? Do I hear the birds outside? Do I hear my husband filling his ice water with ice, this water bottle with ice. So if we're engaging each of these senses, per what I've learned in dialectical behavioral therapy, we're doing a full body fill up. We engage each of the senses, we distract the mind from the emotional discomfort, and we fill up in a different way. So when you talk about, but I hate the cold, what if you just decided not to hate it? What if even instead of loving it, maybe you're not ready to love it, maybe you can embrace it. And I try to incorporate that in my coaching. I try to incorporate as many of the senses as I can through coaching because it's a distraction. It's a distraction from what our thoughts are telling us about the experience. And if we can distract ourselves with enough positive stimuli, we're creating an environment of a positive experience. So when I'm coaching at events, like I said, I'm, I'm sometimes limited 
into the sensory experience I can provide. But when I do a full immersive sensory experience, I get to engage all five senses. And because I keep it to 10 to 12 picomax, we also have a deep, powerful human connection. And even in the day where we have a hundred different ways to connect to the people around us, we are filled up so much more when that connection is right in front of us, when that connection is intentional on purpose and in person. So you can say you hate the cold, but can you love what it does for you? And if you love what it does for you, can you change the story you tell yourself about it? Because I used to hate the cold, and now I can't get enough of it. I also believe that I hear a lot of people say that due to autoimmune, they don't have the ability to properly, properly regulate their body temperature. And this is something I also experienced. When I had Hashimoto's, especially when I was first diagnosed, it was difficult for me to regulate my own body temperature, my body's ability to respond to temperature change. So even as someone who loved the heat, it could be difficult for me to get warm. Or it could be difficult for me to respond to external heat. So external heat, external cold, Hashimoto's, it's not the only autoimmune that causes an inability to regulate body temperature through drastic temperature changes. But I can stand before you today and tell you that you can practice that away. That's not your fate. Even if a doctor said to you like they did to me, this is chronic, if you don't take these pills, you'll die, and this is just the way your life is now. Well, you can accept that. You can listen to what everyone's saying and say, this is just my life now. I don't regulate temperature. It's part of my autoimmune. I can't do anything about it. You can choose that stance, but it doesn't have to be true. The truth is the story we tell ourselves. The truth is, if you want to practice temperature regulation, if you want to practice exposure to extreme temperatures, your body will respond. One of my favorite examples of this is Eddie Izzard. He's a comedian. He's amazing. I absolutely love this man. He is so beautiful and so funny and so real. He did 27 marathons, ran 27 marathons in 27 days. And that's hard. I don't care who you are. That is hard. And he talked about it. He says, you know, he was talking about it on Joe Rogan's podcast. And he says, you know, my day three and four with all the blisters and the discomfort and the muscle soreness, I thought there's no way. He says, I thought there's no way I can 
keep going like this. My body can't handle it. It's revolting in every possible way. I'm getting cramps. I'm getting pain. I'm paraphrasing here, by the way. Blisters and I'm not healing. And I can't possibly think of getting up again and doing this another day. But he did. He pushed through pain. He pushed through discomfort. And he changed the story that he was telling himself. So by day five and six and seven, it was getting a little easier. By day seven, eight, nine, ten, he started waking up and his body was ready for it. His wounds were healing at a rapid rate, faster than ever before. The blisters on his feet, the muscle cramps, the soreness, the discomfort. And his body started to expect its daily marathon. His body started to plan and train in a way that meant his body needed that marathon to survive. And by day 27, it's just what he did. He just woke up, ran a marathon. And on day 28, when he woke up and didn't have a marathon to run, his body was like, whoa, wait, but wait, where's our marathon? We're supposed to run a marathon today. And it was okay that he didn't do that on day 28. But the message here is that the body will find a way to train itself for what you're putting it through. If we can change the mind the body will follow suit. If we can put ourselves through physical challenges, like getting into cold water on a regular basis, it'll become easier and easier and easier. Think of the first time you started writing your letters and writing cursive. Didn't start out easy. Might've been really uncomfortable. Maybe you even got hand cramps. But eventually, you developed penmanship through practice. And you know, maybe you're like me and it can still be chicken scratch at times, but you still do it. We do things that make us uncomfortable every day. We have a choice on the story we tell ourselves about that discomfort. A lot of my discomfort came from living in a constant state of trauma, and I didn't know this. I didn't know at the time that I was living in a constant state of trauma. I thought I was, I I was a warrior. I was brave in the face of anything, but quite especially discomfort. To a point where sometimes, and I've shared this with you before, but to a point where sometimes I'd have to create that discomfort or that chaos in order to to thrive. And my book recommendation for the week is The Deepest Well, Healing the Long-Term Effects of Childhood Adversity by Dr. Nadine Burke Harris, MD. Adversity she considers to be the traumatic experiences we went through at developmental young ages. And she provides this test that you can take completely anonymously 
of, I think it's 12 or 13 different factors. So if you've, if you've experienced homelessness, that's a point towards childhood adversity. If you've experienced abuse, sexual, emotional, physical, verbal, that's a point towards the adversity. And based on your adversity score, it just shares the level of trauma that you've experienced in your childhood. Well, I'll share with you, my score was an eight. And when you read this book, you'll understand that's a very high score. That's a lot of trauma at a very young age. And the way that I dealt with it as a child was to be tough, strong, the warrior. I was a warrior in my language. I was a warrior physically. I was a fighter. I wasn't just an emotional or a verbal fighter. I was also a physical fighter. I took the distress and the fear and the insecurity that I had as a result of childhood trauma and I channeled it physically to people around me. I was verbally abusive, I was emotionally abusive, and I was physically abusive. I was a bully. I was a bully in middle school. I was a bully in junior high. And I didn't go to enough of high school to get that experience in high school. But at high school age, there was even an incident when I was working at a restaurant and there was another server I didn't like. I was passing her along the walkway and I threw a hard elbow at her just to do it. There's no excuse for that type of behavior. But what's important is recognizing where did that come from? Why did I feel threatened all the time? Why did I feel that the only way to survive was to fight? And I carried that with me all the way into my 30s. I wasn't physically abusive anymore. That stopped in my teen years. But I was still emotionally and mentally abusive quite specifically to myself. And in this book by Dr. Nadine Burke Harris, in this book, she shares the different methods that we use to cope with these traumas from our childhood. And sometimes it looks like a warrior. Sometimes it looks like a fighter. Sometimes it looks like someone who takes no shit, won't do no shit. Sometimes. And that warrior, that fighter served me well for a long time. It got me through. It helped me to survive. But I have since created an environment for myself where I do not have to just survive. I can live and I can thrive. So one of the things that I've learned through the power of the cold is this might be uncomfortable. This might be something I hate. 
But if it's going to jumpstart my immune system, sign me up. If it's going to boost my metabolism, where do I sign? If it is going to teach me emotional stability and regulation, I am all in. Part of the ways that teaches emotional stability and regulation, not just because of the self-care aspects, but at about 30 seconds in, you get a powerful boost of norepinephrine and dopamine. So these are feel-good chemicals created in our own brains that sometimes our brains have shorted out. I had been living in a state of trauma with heightened stress for so long that when my brain was trying to produce feel-good chemicals, it was basically a short circuit. And I wasn't going to get results from pills. I wasn't going to be able to band-aid symptoms with pills. So when I started feeling that boost of norepinephrine and dopamine through the cold, I thought, what a better way. It's natural. I'm making it myself. The feelings last, the effects last for hours. My gosh, if I can do this every day, I can have these effects for hours every day. If I do this every day for a certain period of time, can I train my brain how to activate these chemicals on demand? Yeah, I can. I never even knew what it was like to catch a head cold and not emotionally berate myself because you didn't take care of your body and you didn't wash your hands that one time and you didn't do this and you didn't create the perfect environment for you to avoid ever getting sick in your life ever again and how dare you and look at all you're missing out on and look at what you can't get done because now you're sitting here sick because you didn't take care of yourself. Well, I don't talk to myself like that anymore. I now provide myself the most compassion and love that I can. Don't, don't mind that cat there in the background. <laughs> I now provide myself with as much, much love and compassion as I can. So the story that I tell myself now is I am calm. I am emotionally regulated, but it's because I've learned the tools, the tools provided by the power of the cold. So I use cold water immersion for my physical response, but I also use it for emotional regulation. I did not grow up learning proper coping skills I grew up in a mentally, emotionally, verbally, physically abusive home. And that's okay. I do not look back and place blame. I do not look back and think angry thoughts on the results of my childhood. I look back and say, my parents did the best they could with what they had at the time which is exactly what I was doing up until I found cold water immersion and still doing, I'm still doing that. I am doing the best I can with the information I have today.
And the information I'm going to pass on you today is that your feelings, your response, your mental stability can be your choice. How much do you want to be responsible for? Because when I look at my autoimmune past, I can easily say, well, I'm sick. And because I'm sick, this is what my life looks like. These are my limitations. These are my inabilities. These are all the things I can't do. That's my choice. Or if all I can do is sit in an ice bath, start there. Because you can be depressed, anxious, in so much pain that it hurts to push a gas pedal. I've been there. But even in that state, I could step and sit into freezing cold water. Took little to no physical effort on my part other than choosing to breathe and remain calm for two minutes while my body changed itself, while my mind fixed itself. So I want you to think about that this week. I want you to challenge yourself in one way, in one way that your body says you can't. Your body says, I don't regulate cold. I can't regulate temperature. I want you, even if you don't do a full ice bath, to dip your face into a bowl filled with ice water for 10 to 15 seconds three times over 30 minutes. Start there. Start there and tell me what you think. Start there and let me know what type of response you have. Because it is your choice. Whether you give in to the thoughts and the symptoms and the disease, or whether you take ownership one small step at a time for the things you can do. And you can't always control your reaction to the cold, but you can practice. And I sit here before you today as a master of nothing, but someone who practices everything. All I'm doing is practice. And you can do that too. Recipe for the week I found this amazing keto roast. So you take a uh, boneless chuck roast, and I love it in the instant pot, but I know you can do it in a crock pot. Boneless chuck roast. I like to do a whole onion. They say a half, I do a whole. I do about three to four cloves of garlic. They say two, always double the garlic. (laughs) Who are you kidding? And then a half a jar of pepperoncinis and half the juice of the jar. And I use my own bone broth. So I make bone broth, but you can do beef broth or chicken broth or vegetable broth. So I add beef broth, a little more than a cup. And then some seasonings. You got your garlic powder, onion powder, salt and pepper. I like to use Italian seasoning. You can do basil, you can do paprika, you can do it like all individually, but I just go right for the Italian seasoning. 
and it's about a teaspoon, tablespoon each of those. You could do it to taste. I put that in my Instant Pot for 70 minutes, and holy cow, it's the best roast I've ever had. And I love to mix it up with cabbage. I slice my cabbage into about three quarter inch strips, so it's almost noodle-like. Put it in a pan on the, on the stove, add a little bit of avocado oil, we'll get into oils eventually, I've got a lot of information on oils, but a little bit of avocado oil, a little bit of your grass-fed butter, salt and pepper, garlic onion powder, and I like to add red pepper flakes to this. Same kind that you throw on your pizza. Just red pepper flakes. Gives it a little pizzazz. Cook that up, and I add that to the keto roast when I make my, my dinner. It's one of my new favorite meals. You guys, I cannot get enough of it. Roasts were on sale, and I was like, well, I ate that last week. I'm not going to eat it this week. And oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> So that's your recipe of the week. Got your book of the week, Dr. Nadine Burke-Harris, The Deepest Well, Healing the Long-Term Effects of Childhood Adversity. And as I part from you today, I leave you with this little bit of wisdom. If you can master your breath through the cold, you can master your mind through your life. Make it count. Stay cold and enjoy the day.